What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Polls Podcast. I am Brendan Nunez. I have Rich Ivanowski here as well. How you doing, Rich? Well, Brendan, I am I am sort of sort of floating in a euphoric state. Uh this has been quite a couple of days for Kings fans. I I don't even. This was beyond my eyesight. I feel like I might be dreaming, Brendan. What are you? How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm in the exact same boat with you here. It is insanity, and I mean, obviously, we're talking about free agency. Everyone that the Kings were able to land. Um, maybe I guess the very first one to start with would be this Harrison Barnes contract, a four years, eighty-eight million, and. It's a little more than we had expected, but we understand why it's a little higher than market value. I am very comfortable with giving Barnes that contract, making him part of the core moving forward and locking him up for four years. It's not even more than I expected. I think that's totally right on the money. I I think that I was saying anywhere, you know, I expected between 80 and 100 million. And this ended up on the lighter side of that scale. And I'm happy with it. I'm thrilled with it. I am a huge fan of Harrison Barnes. I think that he brings uh, an element to this team that they really need, which is kind of a low usage uh, veteran that's going to make the right moves. Three and D. I love it. You can look at all of our Harrison Barnes coverage in the past and in the future, we are very pro Harrison Barnes. And uh, at this money, I think that uh, I think, I think that, he is underrated uh, by a lot of people and that this money is actually fair and I don't see another option out there uh, in free agency. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have him back at this number. Yep. And at the beginning of June 30th, there was these rumors coming out that right when free agency started at 3 p.m. that the Sacramento Kings were going to extend a massive offer to Al Horford And then there was this entire game, of course, that was happening, questioning who that mystery team for Horford really was, because the Kings were only willing to offer three years. And he ends up going to Philadelphia. And aside from making a big splash with someone like him, Tobias Harris, the Kings got practically everybody that we could hope for. Like if we were going through dream off seasons, this very easily could be one of them. And the very first one, the biggest need we had was a center moving forward. And Dwayne Dedman is the perfect fit. He hits the three, protects the rim, runs the floor like he just did on the one of the highest paced teams in Atlanta. And to lock him up, it was three years, 40 million. But doing that right towards the start of free agency was really impressive to me because I thought if he tested the market that he would end up with even more money than that. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think that if you're a listener and you want to, to check to see if we're serious about loving this signing, go listen to the very first episode we ever did. We talked about Dwayne Dedman uh, at length in that episode and how, how perfect of a fit he would be on this team. And before we get into the other two guys, the most recent signing was Rashawn Holmes at two years, 10 million. And that was another center we had talked about as a potential of filling that spot, but bringing him along with Deadman, um, I do like it. There's switchability from Holmes. It's never bad to have depth, but if you're looking at Giles, Bagley, Deadman, Holmes, are one of these guys possibly going to be unhappy with minutes? I know you don't worry about that fully right now. You get a good squad, but it is a little um, crowded there. Yeah, it is a little bit crowded, but uh, that's not a bad thing to be crowded with talent. You know, when you're when your front court is crowded with overpays and guys that. Uh, have questionable effort levels when your front court is crowded with uh, Kosa Kufos at 12 million and Willie Colley Stein, who doesn't want to uh, put his hands in the air uh, and contest a shot. That's an issue. Um, when your front court is crowded with uh, Harry Giles and Rashawn Holmes, uh, who are both young and trying to, to break into a starting role, uh, and it's crowded with a, a veteran like Dwayne Dedman, who is just going to, um, come out and be a professional and do his job every night and not not worry about what's going on, uh, not worry about how many minutes he gets. When it's crowded with Bielitsa, who is also a professional and also a guy that is just there to make shots, Professor Big Shots, I I, I don't see any conflict there. And then your fifth big, uh, you know, not in that order, but the other big in this equation is Marvin Bagley. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds good to me, man. I I think that. The way this breaks down is Bagley starts at the four, Deadman at the five, and we'll get into that fit. Uh, if not today, then another day, but that's an amazing fit compared to the Bagley-Willie Colley-Stein fit. Uh, and then then you got Bielitsa as the backup for the stretch guy uh, coming off the bench to unlock Giles or Holmes at the five. Um, yeah, I mean... That's not a problem for me. I think it's really going to be a competition between Giles and Holmes. Well, really, I don't know if the competition is is anything other than Giles's health. Uh, you know, Giles yeah. battling his own body to stay healthy and on the court, and and everyone knows that we're hoping that he he figures that all out and hoping that he stays healthy. And then a other area of big need was obviously a backup point guard. And we had pointed to Patrick Beverly along with a lot of the fan base. And that did not end up happening. It seemed like the Kings weren't the most interested in him from what we kind of could tell. There weren't too many links to him. Uh, one that they were connected to was Corey Joseph. And this was just... The perfect signing, I think. I mean, we've raved about it. Um, it's in the graphics we've made talking about what point guards we want. We talked about it in our point guards episode and way back. Everybody that we talked about that the Kings picked up, we 
really enjoy and think are going to be a good fit on this team. We've talked about them before. But Corey Joseph, three years, $37 million. I've seen people saying it's an overpay, which it probably is a little bit for his talent, but it still doesn't get to a gross contract. It's $12.3 million a year, and we don't know the exact details, but the best part is a lot of these contracts even have partial guarantees looking at that third year. Yeah, every one of them except for I believe Rashawn Holmes, which is the the mini uh sorry, the room mid-level exception deal there. So, yeah, these are all really really nice contracts in my opinion, um considering the the context. So, I believe the Kings did really heavily pursue Beverly. Um and he says that that's he literally said that Sacramento yeah. offered him 50 million. Um, I have heard that it's been reported, uh, by Sam Amick that only 35 million was guaranteed. So maybe he's talking a little bit, uh, outside of his mouth about that. And, and maybe he actually had more guaranteed money from the Clippers. I don't know. I would have to, to try to check some sources on that. Uh, but regardless, we wanted Beverly. We love Beverly. I think everyone wanted Beverly. There's it was the number one choice of Sacramento fans and Sacramento front office. So, um, you know, a little bit sad not to grab him, but uh, Joseph was our number two guy. That was that's it. You know, I mean, we weeks ago we made a list and it was it was Beverly one, Joseph two, and uh, it's it's a similar thing with the center thing. We wanted we wanted Horford and we couldn't get him, so Deadman was number two. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like a very significant drop. I mean, obviously, you're getting your second option. Um, I, I could not be more happy with Corey Joseph. I think the defensive intensity that he's going to bring to the Kings, how that's going to pair with Fox, and really all these guys, all the different lineups that we're going to be able to experiment with having a deep team. Um, Corey Joseph specifically, do you worry about him offensively? I don't think that it's a big deal. I think that he's a capable passer with both hands and he actually finishes well around the rim. But I mean, for that contract, do you feel like there's concerns on the offensive end? So even in a scenario where none of the starters are playing, even in a scenario where it's all the bench unit, uh, Joseph will be surrounded by uh, Bogey, uh, he'll have Ariza and Bielitsa spotting up, and he'll probably have someone like Giles or Holmes, uh, you know, wreaking havoc down low. So, no, I'm absolutely not worried about his offense because he won't really need to do much. Uh, this is now a, a Kings team that has a solid bench, uh, both offensively and defensively, and he's bringing that defense. Um, I, you know, I do think in, in a vacuum, he's not a strong offensive player, but, uh, that's not really what I was looking for. You know, I mean, if you look at our list of guys like Beverly one, uh, Joseph two, now Beverly does have some offensive skill. I, I think that he's a plus there as well, but he's known for his defense. That's his, that's his calling card. And, uh, certainly is the same with Corey Joseph. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm, ecstatic with this and I tweeted it out a couple days ago I mean Corey Joseph played 82 games the last two seasons 80 the two seasons before just being available is a big plus um he's not a good three-point shooter he's 
shot 32% from deep last year, but the two years prior to that, he was sitting at 35%. Um, so there's at least a little bit of a stroke there. And you had mentioned him, the last guy that the Kings have signed, we haven't mentioned yet, Trevor Ariza, a two-year, $25 million contract. And that one is partially guaranteed second year as well. I worry about Ariza slightly because I do think that he really did take a step down last year. But like we talked about in our small forward breakdown, it's that you don't know if Ariza just calmed with the effort because he was playing on Phoenix and Washington, two of the bottom five teams in the league. You know, maybe he can come back and play this, uh, this high effort defensive role and he only shoots threes. There's nothing else he does on offense and he only shot them at 32% or 33% last year, but he's historically a better three point shooter than that. 36 the year before, um, a season of above 40. So Ariza is a very capable shooter, but I worry that he might have fallen a little. We talked about it though, and you would convince me into Ariza that by the end of the episode, I was ready to offer him a contract. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't be. Um, I, t- I, I, you know, I too share your opinion that his contract is probably, probably the least exciting, but at the same time, uh, I mean, just think about who he was two years ago um, and throughout the majority of his career. I, I don't necessarily think he's fallen off a cliff. I think that is, like you said, an issue of playing for two teams that were probably the two biggest dumpster fires in the NBA last year uh, and getting thrown between them in the middle of the season. It's got to be disheartening. So I can absolutely see if his focus wasn't completely there uh playing for the suns and the wizards so yeah i don't know though this guy is uh this guy is a uh, if he had taken a small deal it probably would have been for a contender and that contender probably would have viewed him as uh one of the final pieces to their puzzle because a three and d wing um with 109 games of of playoff experience under his belt that's the type of guy that can that can take uh two or three seed and give them a real shot to win a championship. Um, but we in Sacramento are hoping that they're going to take uh, the ninth best team in the West and, and turn them into the seventh or eighth. And I had been very big in pushing for a veteran presence. You said it a bit, a hundred plus playoff games. Trevor Reza is exactly that. I mean, having 15 years of NBA experience is just insanity and like we said, it fits the style perfectly. I mean, every single one of these players that the Kings got made sure that it fit what their play style is of being able to run and space the floor. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, there are adults in the room now. Uh, there are guys with, uh, you know, finals experience in the room now. Uh, I I am thrilled. Uh Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. 
Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Let's talk about, uh, did you have any, what, what was your, let's talk about the feelings that you went through on that day because to me, it's been a crazy roller coaster. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to know, you know, from, we want to connect with the fans too. This will be a great fan Friday to get people in here and react on the show. But for you, uh, as someone who watches the Kings very closely, what did that, what was that, that, that day like for you? Well, the beginning of the day, like I said, was the Horford offer. And I was like, Oh my God, I knew it. We're the mystery team. I was so hyped. And that fell apart within five, 10 minutes after. Um, so. Like you said, it was a roller coaster throughout the day. And the Barnes uh, signing was expected, really. Um, we didn't know the money, but it turned out all right. And pulling pulling Deadman that early, like I said, was such a shock to me. I thought that, it, you know, he was linked to the Kings, that it was possible both sides had a mutual interest. But like I said, I mean, so many teams that we had talked to, Deadman was one of the targets. So I was just shocked to be able to get it that early. And then seeing Trevor Ariza right after that, um, it, it was just perfect. That was two checkboxes instantly there. And I'm like, okay, Corey Joseph is still on the market. And all of these other point guards seem to be filling in these other roles. We saw Ricky Rubio go to Phoenix. Um, and then a couple other places, you know, Kemba Walker in Boston, Terry Rozier swapping with him in Charlotte. Um, the point guard spots really filled up quick and Corey Joseph was still available. And I actually had fallen asleep that night, woke up the next morning to that news. And this was just, it was perfect. Like there's no other way that I, I, maybe there's a couple things that could have changed, but really this is just an amazing scenario. Like I am blown away by how different and improved this Kings roster is within a span of 24 hours. It's an incredible feeling. I think especially, um, you know, you and I are relatively new to the Kings fan base. Um, I know that I've only been in Sacramento about six years and just kind of started watching the games because they were, they were on locally and, um, have immersed myself in the culture over the last year and a half, uh, writing for the Kings on the Kings. And, um, you know, so I don't know that we can experience this in the way that a lot of our listeners are, which is that, uh, you know, maybe 14 years of futility, maybe more, uh, going back to the days of, of, uh, you know, current general manager, Vlade Divac, his playing days. I don't think that the Kings have had a signing this good or a series of signings this good since that era. Um, it, it feels miraculous. I mean, it goes to show you what a breakout season can do for your reputation around the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jared Dudley was one of those guys that said, Hey, I would love to go play for the Kings. I think that a lot of free agents were thinking that because they see uh, this young core and they see how exciting uh, the basketball is in Sacramento. And that's the biggest thing that can really happen for this team. Um, and yeah, for me, it was stunning because obviously I was glued to my, uh, glued to my Twitter app all day. And, uh, I actually started the day in Dallas, 
was visiting some some family over there on the way back from Mexico uh, on our honeymoon, and like <laughs> I, uh, I, I like we were about to take off, and I'm like. Uh, I texted someone over at Sectown Royalty and I'm like, Hey man, should I just pay this $8 for Wi-Fi or should I <laughs> like, cause you got to pay the, eight, the yeah. $8 for, and I'm like, it's probably not even going to really work. And he's like, nah, 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 just relax. Like, and when you, when you get there, cause I was landing right at three, I was landing like at two fifty-five. Uh, he's like, just when you, when you, when you, you know, uh, when you land, it's going to be, the news is going to hit right then. Anyway, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Like halfway into the flight. I'm like, no, 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 I gotta, I gotta get this <laughs> Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, I'm like, I'm glad I did because it started happening before and uh, the, the Deadman thing came out before three and uh, it was just, I mean, I was thrilled. I, I was thrilled that when the plane landed, Dwayne Deadman was a king. And then when I was at baggage check, Trevor Ariza was a king. And then when I got home, I just scoured through all my uh, spreadsheets looking for the best available free agents still. And when I made, I made a list. Here's the best. It took me a couple hours to really think about what the needs were, all that. I made a list of best available free agents. And at the top of that list was Corey Joseph. Yeah. Within an hour, bang, Corey Joseph. And I, and I took me a couple hours to react to that and make a new list. Put another list out there on Twitter. Top of that list, Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> bang. Like, I have never seen four signings that were so smart. And, and got, these are all guys that... We talked about, and we talked about being in these price ranges. These aren't overpays. Yeah, you can make the argument that this is a one-year overpay for Ariza, but for me, that's by like maybe two to five million at the most, and I'm not tripping on that at all. No, and like we talked about, I think we kind of projected Ariza to even potentially get a little bit more money because, like you said, he does have a spot on a contender. He could have got maybe a one-year, uh, just fifteen-ish contract thrown at him I think was my projection before and I think like you said being an appealing team and having that breakout year last year meant that you didn't have to pay these terrible contracts in order to bring people to the city I mean people want to come here and the team is set like there being summer league last night and just seeing the the six core guys of bogey Fox, Buddy, Barnes, Bagley, Giles, even just seeing all those guys hanging out, having a good time together. I mean, it, it, you're talking feelings. Everything feels so good in Sacramento right now. That's absolutely true. Uh, I was in the building yesterday and, you know, luckily, lucky enough for the first time <clears throat> to have a credential at Golden One Center to go there and be a part of the media. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's laughing. Uh, you know, I saw, I got, you know, I was hanging out, you know, a few feet from, from Fox and Bagley, uh, and Buddy looking real dope with the diamonds on his neck and the, and the Royal, the new Royal Blue throwback jerseys that, you know, thank you for that too, Kings. That's something that I've wanted for a long time is those jerseys. Uh, those are, those are hard. And, uh, and Vlad is in there and Chris Weber's at the game. And uh, him and those two and Doug just laughing. Uh, everybody's just just smiling. Everybody's laughing. Uh, the PR folks are all happy. Uh, you know, they like especially like, you know, when when even the bloggers are on your side, when the blog boys love what you're doing, <laughs> like their whole their whole their whole front office, everybody involved, uh, the whole team 
and everybody that runs it is thrilled right now, as are the fans, obviously. Um, and let me say shout out to the guy who was sitting like uh, maybe 10 feet away from the press area who was pretty drunk. No, no shade here, pretty drunk, but kept yelling, Rich, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty it's fun, great. You got fans already, man. Well, it's it's the price you pay to uh, get married in a Harry Giles jersey. There you go. And you're pretty easily recognizable with the beard, to be honest. It's the beard. Yeah. It is. But, so, and I got no problems with that. So if you if you see me around uh, Golden One Center, come say what's up. I love that. Uh, I do love uh, – I, 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 everyone also, like, everyone just – like, someone just walked past me and like, yo, here's my little marriage advice for you. Here's – Here's how I, I've been married 12 years, and this is how Carmichael Dave did that to me yesterday. He's like, I've been married 12 years. This is what this is the secret. It's it's mad. <laughs> so I mean, like you said, everything is just going great. Is there is there any other guys that you feel like could be coming to Sacramento? I know the one that you would push for. I'm all on board with would be like a a Corey Joseph back on a minimum contract. But at this point, we spent 43 million. Um, that's actually without the Barnes contract. So it's actually because Barnes got 22, it's 65 million about. And that, that's the money the Kings have. That's including the room mid-level exception. Like you said, that went to Holmes. Is there anybody else you'd like to see? Um, I think you said Corey Joseph. I'm assuming you meant Corey Brewer. I did. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. That's the guy that I would push for to bring back. Um, I think that one of these final roster spots needs to go to someone who can play the three, uh, just a depth piece. I'm not, you know, I, and I think Corey Brewer makes sense for that just because he, he probably doesn't need minutes, but doesn't feel like, you know, if he's not in the rotation early on, he's not going to be offended by that. I think he can, he can get his paycheck and be a part of this, this young team. And, and I, and I would love that, but yeah, you know, what it's coming down to is, is that they've got uh, really very little left as far as as uh, 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 as salary. So they've they've really got not much, and and we don't know the exact terms if if uh, Deadman and Joseph and uh, yeah, I guess you can't have Rashawn Holmes descending a descending contract, but Deadman and Joseph, we don't know if they're ascending or descending or flat their contracts. Um, we do know, uh, same thing for with, with Ariza, but we do know Barnes is descending. So it's going to take, take a little bit to figure out exactly those numbers. I think that they're kind of keeping their options open. If they don't bring in another player, they can have them uh, descending, which is a good thing just for the, the cap will be a little bit more in the next couple seasons. But I think that we're down to... Uh, what I last calculated was about 1.35 million and you could cut, say, say you could cut Frank Mason and bring back Corey Brewer at the vet minimum, uh, or a little, a hair over that. That's a, probably a move that I would support. Um, I just don't know that Mason has a spot on this team with now you've got Fox, Joseph, Yogi. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to carry a fourth, point guard especially when his contract is non-guaranteed um i think you could cut him and maybe even give him a two-way uh or or give him a job at stockton if no one else grabs him um but yeah that's i mean is there any move that you'd want to see them make no that's pretty much it i mean 
like you're mentioning, there's so much depth already. I mean, it's crazy that they did this within 24 hours. I think Rashawn Holmes was a little bit longer than that, but it happened so quick. I mean, aside from Joseph, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Aside from Brewer, um, there's nothing else to really do. Um, a question I have for you, and obviously I'm just a little bit more excited right now. I think all of the fan base is, does this alter your expectations for next year? Uh, for myself, I feel like I have more hopes of making the playoffs and it seems even more reasonable now, but at the same time, like trying to reel it in, keep myself realistic that who is going to fall out because that's always been the real issue. That yeah, absolutely is the issue. And we could do the whole podcast, uh, maybe like Friday or something on that. Um, it's a great question. And, and especially, yeah, maybe by that time we'll really know because we'll know, uh, pretty much everyone will be signed where they're, where they're going to end up by then. Um, I, it doesn't change my expectations too much in terms of playoffs, just because when I'm, when I write it out, I still have the Kings fighting for an eight seed with the Clippers and the Spurs, which seems like it's still a tough task. Um, but then again, I'll say this. I had them as my 14th team in the West last year. So, and, and they finished ninth. So if I got them as my ninth team in the West this year, you know, I, I mean, I'm ready for another surprise. I'm not going to bet against Fox and Bagley and, and all these guys. So I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm absolutely going to watch uh, every game. I'm going to be really excited to see what happens, but, but it also doesn't feel like, I'll be disappointed if they miss the playoffs. And in the end, I mean, it all rides on the shoulders of these young guys still. This was just filling in around them, but it's all going to be on Fox, Bagley seeing how he takes a jump if Giles is able to stay healthy and improve. Hopefully, I think that Bogey could be a very big um, a positive from getting all of these guys because he will have his defined role in the second unit. He'll have spacing and working just with that entire bench squad is going to be great. The Liddy committee got an upgrade. Hopefully these guys got some dance moves. Um, is there any specific players in that core where you feel like they do benefit or get hindered by any of these additions? I think you pulled a great one there. I, I believe that Bogey will not be playing the point so much in the second unit. I think that Joseph can set him up pretty nicely. Um, that Boogie can do a little bit more spot off, that, you know, come off, spot up, come off screens, that sort of stuff. Um, I think that he'll be more of a, a shooter than a, than a guy who's going to pound the ball, uh, for 20 seconds. Um, aside from that, I, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that Bielitsa might be able to get back into his best form just because he's going to have uh, guys that aren't in their rookie year next to him a lot of the time. Now, you know, Giles in his second year, Bagley in his second year. Uh, Holmes is, uh, you know, uh, somewhat of a veteran. Uh, he's got some years under his belt. So I think it may have been a little bit tough when you got, when you got rookies in the front court. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yep. Yeah, and we're just going to have such a fun set of different lineups. I mean, when I was playing with different ones, the two players that seemed to be very common in all my lineups were Fox and Harrison Barnes. 
I mean, those guys just, Fox is the identity, and Barnes fits everywhere. I had him at the three, at the four, um, does everything that you would need. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I already can't wait for next year. Even just watching Summer League last night, I was all giddy and excited to finally watch some Kings basketball again. I mean, it's just, it's a great euphoric feeling right now. Yeah, and I think there's a lineup that we're going to see a lot um, that I'm really excited about. And it's kind of, it comes from the the one guy that we maybe are least excited about, Trevor Ariza. I'm a big proponent of this concept that I, I've got, I want to write about it. I've been like writing this thing about it and it's it's kind of hard to explain and it's kind of silly, but I really believe that teams need six starters now. Um, you need, you need, uh, you need essentially six starters and one of them being um, an anchor, like a true center, a center that is, is a real five. And then you need a small ball center, right? So that's like the small ball center is like the new position yeah. And you want to be able to slide up and down that scale of six guys as you need, kind of collapse into a smaller lineup or go to a bigger lineup. And I think that Ariza unlocks that because I think you can go uh, Fox, Buddy, Ariza, Barnes, Deadman, or Fox, Buddy, Ariza, Barnes, Bagley, and play. that's where you're getting Bagley at the five. Um, yeah. That's the lineup that I'm excited about. That's the small lineup that still has enough length at the three because you can't just go small. You can't just go small and put, uh, you know, bogey at the three. It hasn't really been working. He's just a little bit too small and he's a little bit, you know, he's not there defensively to hang with opposing threes. Now you've got Ariza. So you're going Fox, Buddy, Ariza at the three, Barnes at the four, Bagley at the five. That's a small, quick, fast lineup that can shoot. And defend. Yeah. And it, it's just all of them are are going to be so much fun to work with. Even if you take Fox out and you're putting in Corey Joseph, then you can make some really nasty defensive lineups even without one of your best defensive players in De'Aaron Fox. I mean, there's going to be so much fun to play with, so much more progression um, as the days go on here. I'm excited to see the introduction of all these guys. And sadly, we do have to cut this episode short. Um, we got things we're doing. This is just a little bit of a reaction one, and you can expect us to dive in a little bit more in the next upcoming episodes. We're going to have time before the season starts. Do you feel like there's anything else that we that you want to touch on right now, Rich? Uh, as of right now, I'll just throw out there that uh, the California Classic is going on, and it's a great uh you know, this is a great chance for you to get a look at who's going to fill out the end of this roster. As of right now, there's only one spot available, but I get this strong feeling that Swanigan could be cut, that Mason could be cut. Uh, uh, right now, there's 14 guys on the team, actually, with BJ Johnson, too. So, but uh, he could be cut. So, really, I think that it's going to come down to uh, two of the guys that you see in the summer league uh, in, in these games tonight and tomorrow. I think two of them will end up uh, grabbing two ways and, and, and filling out this roster. Uh, Kyle Guy uh, is probably going to be one of them. And then maybe Justin James or, or Wenyan Gabriel, if he keeps uh, uh, dropping 20 points, 22 points, 12 rebounds last night. Um, he played well in Stockton last year. So so tune into that. And then I'm thinking that we uh, – we will record probably Wednesday night and get another episode up Thursday, maybe recapping uh, 
um, what we saw there at the California Classic. Yep, sounds great to me. That sounds like a plan. And like you mentioned, Kyle Guy, the shooter, Justin James, I was impressed with his defense. Definitely a reason to tune in California Classic. Go if you can if you're in the Sacramento area. It's not that expensive. It's a great environment and a great time. Like you said, everyone's excited in Sacramento right now for this team, including us. You will hear from us in a couple days. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode.